0: Everybody loves Chalupa's. Everybody loves them now. Oof, that wasn't one of my best. Ah, my uh, lapel mic was rubbing against the uh, seatbelt, so I get a chance to do it over again. Everybody. Loves Chalupas and everybody who wants them now. Hey guys, this is Rish Outfield, and this is the Rish Outcast. I'm going to put a little warning right here up front that this episode might... Two warnings. First is, you know, haha, ha warning. Uh, this episode might make me seem super naive. Go ahead and say it. Every episode makes you sound super naive, you bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, little Welsh oldest 5 five-year-old. Thank you. Jeez. Uh, and then the second thing is, you know, I recognize that I have a lot more opportunities than other people do, even though... I feel sorry for myself a lot, even though I sometimes complain. So that second warning is, hey, in America we have it really, really good. I recognize that, and even among Americans, I have it good because I have enough money to make ends meet, and uh, sometimes I have to scrimp and save, but it's for big things. It's not for meals, it's not for clothes. So, just just putting that out there. Yesterday, we got back. My family and I got back from my very first cruise. We went on a family vacation for a week in early nineteen ninety-seven. I want to say it was April. So that's not really early. But we had gone on this extended vacation. Uh, We went down to Mexico. We got to see where my mother lived as a child. And, um, well, we hadn't had a family vacation since then. And my father passed away and my mom was thinking, well, maybe we won't get another chance. She's in her 70s now which isn't old, but my dad died in his 70s and so she said, you know, a bucket list kind of thing is I sure would like to be able to go on a cruise with my family, with my kids and my grandkids and this was about a year ago she talked about this, maybe less than that, but she said, how about, you know, next summer, 2018, we all plan on doing this and So we did, and everybody except my brother were up for it and cleared our schedules. I mean some people's schedules are clearer than others. I basically just had to stop taking on commitments and just sort of put what I do for a living on hold. So for me it was easy, although uh, during the trip I kept thinking about how much work would be piled up when I got back and whether I had planned it adequately. And yeah, I I did end up losing some money business-wise because of this trip. But other than that, gosh, it was so easy. Today is Monday. We came back Sunday evening. It's just past noon, and I was able to spend the whole morning trying to catch up on on the the things that I had missed. But my planning had been good enough that here it is, uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and now I can go get lunch and bring this microphone along and podcast, which is kind of, I guess, uh, let me just say kind of lucky. And, And maybe that'll be the theme of this episode, is that I have been kind of lucky. And I do uh, an address to my Patreon supporters every month. Usually I just talk about what's going on with my creative life and what's coming with the Rish Outcast. Uh, and I try to tell a story of, you know, here's something interesting that happened when I picked up a hitchhiker, or here's something interesting that happened with my zipper and my genitals. Uh, and in the most recent address, I asked... Hey, uh, so I just came back from this trip and I wonder should I talk about it and do an episode where I talk about my first cruise and the experiences that I had or is that too self-serving? Is that too pedestrian? Is that I mean, nobody likes to see your pictures from your trip unless you went to, you know, the Playboy mansion or space. Uh, but I put it out there and uh, a couple of people said, "Yeah, sure, do an episode about it. I'm curious." And I, you will make it entertaining. And I thought that that was cool. And and one person specifically said, and I quote, "I would listen to you podcast your own suicide." And I just thought, wow, that's that. Wait, wait a minute. Now that I think about it, that might not have been as complimentary as I interpreted it before I said it aloud. It, uh... Hey, R O Eight O T, do you think you could? Oh. Wrong show. There never was an R-O-8-O-T. I was R-O-8-O-T, so in a way, nothing has changed. Okay, so uh, people said, yeah, sure, do an episode. F you. But maybe I added the F you part. Uh, except for that one guy. So I-, I just wanted to tell a little bit about it. I think that there might be fun anecdotes in this. or And, and, and if there aren't then I'm not very good at podcasting. We went to Los Angeles yesterday. Well, we didn't go to Los Angeles, but we drove around Santa Monica and I saw a billboard for the radio show that I listened to in LA that made me want to do what I'm doing right now. I mean, it made me want to do the Dune Steve with Big Anklevich. And I saw that billboard that they're still doing it. They're still in business. and I felt this sense of pride, I guess, just joy that even though I don't get to listen to it, that they're still out there doing their thing. And you know, I've been podcasting for 10 years and I'm still out here doing my thing. So that's where we are with this episode. Shall we begin? Won't sit down Won't shut up. So you know how they say well, I don't know what they say somebody says it takes a village to raise a child. I can't remember exactly who it was that said that except for that she uh, won the popular vote if you count the millions of illegals who voted that's kind of how it has been for my nephews. My mom does a great deal of raising of these boys, and I do, because I live with the children, way more than a normal uncle is expected. You know, I take them to their sporting practices and events. I do their homework with them. I hang out with them often, you know, I I administer severe beatings, and because of that, I feel like maybe we're a closer-knit family than we would have been otherwise, if... It's one of those where you see your cousins every summer or, oh yeah, I've got that uncle, that one weird uncle. But we see him every couple of years when he runs out of money, that sort of thing. But for this trip, it was my sister and her husband, the three boys that are my nephews, my brother-in-law's teenage son from a previous marriage, my other sister and her teenage daughter, and my mom, and me. That's ten people. Nine and a half, if if that's what the zero-year-old... That's hard to say. The zero-year-old counts as... But I felt like we we just traded off duties with the kids. For example, my ten-year-old nephew wanted to do miniature golf. And then he wanted to do miniature golf. And after that... He thought, how about if we try miniature golf? Okay, that was fun, but what about miniature golf? And I think I played six rounds of miniature golf with that kid. And maybe I only played five. Let's be fair. Don't exaggerate. It's not attractive. But as soon as he had burned me out, you know, then he would ask his dad to play miniature golf, or his mom to play miniature golf. Is it okay if I go play miniature golf by myself? It's interesting that uh, he liked it so much. The other activity that they were really, really into was video games. And Kasha, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm bouncing all around. I didn't talk about us leaving and getting stuck at the airport. Maybe I will. But there was a video arcade on the ship. But instead of taking quarters or dollars, you just swiped your room key and it would charge the appropriate amount to your room. And oh boy, my two nephews played video games until the card to the room would no longer swipe. Because you see (laughs) there's a $100 limit for each day of how much booze you can ring up or how many video games you can play. And when he reached that $100 limit, It wouldn't work anymore. It's like, ah shoot, what a ripoff, huh? That horrified me because I you know, I liked video games a great deal when I was a kid. A teenager probably was the biggest time. But I can't imagine playing a hundred dollars worth of video games in a day. And I, I I've always felt like I have a pretty good imagination. Huh. Let me give you a little bit of background on my family. So I am the oldest of four. Whoa, I just dropped my phone. Oh, gosh, it fell down that little space between the seats again. Dang it. Uh, you know, the irretrievable place, where it's like, oh, Buddha forbid, the, the phone starts to ring, because there is no way you're answering the phone. Basically, unless your name is Reed Richards, uh, Or I guess Spider-Man could probably do it with his little sticky fingers. That phone is gone. So I was saying, yes, four children, two boys, two girls, and my brother... Okay, this is an interesting thing. Okay, so my my mother is from Mexico and my father is from America and you can clearly see that the four kids are split down the middle. My brother and my older sister really take after my dad. And I and my little sister, the youngest, tend to take after my mom. We are similar in personalities. And, and, yeah, of course, you get a little bit from both. I have found myself... In fact, during this trip, I found myself channeling my father. And because of that there have been conflicts among the siblings my father's death served to bring some of us closer together and then separate others of us for example my big sister really alienated everyone in the family around that time and she's the one that's most like my dad she idolized my father i think she tries to put forth the opinions that he would put forth if he were here in the situation. I cannot oversell how much she idolized my father. And I may have told this story before, but the two of us saw that movie, the Johnny Cash movie Walk the Line, together in the theater. And Robert Patrick played my father. Sorry. Robert Patrick played Johnny Cash's Father, but he was my dad. If you see that movie, then you know what my dad was like. And there's a scene where Robert Patrick is berating Johnny Cash, you know, saying that he's a dumbass and, and that he's never going to accomplish anything, you know, he's got foolish dreams. And I was just shaking my head with, like, wow, I heard this exact speech. And my sister leaned over. I, I, I wish. I were making this story up. But she leaned over in that scene when I am flashing back to any conversation I had with my dad between ages of 14 and 30. And she said, I sure would hate to have a dad like that. That's the thing that I got out of Walk the Line. More than anything. It's weird. But yes, yeah, she just... Oh my gosh. She is like... The old Roman Empire, where the Caesars would venerate their parentage. And when somebody died, it was up to the new Caesar to determine whether they had become gods or not. And if the Caesar determined, well, yes, clearly Julius Caesar uh, is a god, then, you know, it's okay to pray to him. It's time to, you know, venerate them, build statuary and, and, and all that stuff. She is a big believer in that, and the reason I tell you this is because there weren't a lot of conflicts on this trip, but my big sister is hard to get along with. She would vehemently deny it, and what she would say is, everybody else is hard to get along with. So anyway, she, um, she did occasionally make things difficult on the trip. And, and and I don't want to throw her under the bus by, you know, singling her out. I mean, of course, she's never going to listen to this podcast. Her daughter might. And her daughter might take issue and say, hey, that wasn't cool. The way that you said that my mom was always the last one ready and always the last one to get up. And if she didn't get up at noon, it was because she wasn't going to get up until two in the afternoon. So I won't say things like that. Here, except for that occasionally my sisters would fight and certainly had my brother come along he and my sister really, really, really butt heads and I I said earlier that my brother is a lot like my dad well he, my brother tends to emulate the best parts of my dad my brother works his butt off he works all the time He actually works in a very dangerous job. I I may have talked about it before, but he's one of those guys that when a storm happens or there's an accident or something like that, he goes up onto the poles and he fixes the electric lines. My brother has pragmatism. He understands mechanics. He uh, is tough. And so those are the best qualities of my dad. But he's also surly and he also doesn't shy away from a fight or from conflict. And so he made it clear early on that he wasn't going to be coming on the trip. And um, I don't want to say that that was for the best because, you know, he's my brother and it was a good time. A good time was had by all, as they say. I feel bad that he didn't get to participate in a good time. Although there were a couple of moments when I asked my little sister if my brother were here, would he be enjoying this? Because I, there were times when I was just like, oh, he would be hating this right now. My brother always hated to travel, and he always hates people, places where there are crowds. And there were both of those things in abundance. And my sister would say, yeah, he, he would be complaining right now. He would hate it. So there's that. We flew into Long Beach, California, because that's where the ship leaves from. The Queen Mary is is permanently docked there in Long Beach and it's a fixture in Southern California. It's a cruise ship from the heyday of cruise ships and they've maintained it and they've turned it into something of a museum and the fact that it's still around all these years later has brought with it a lot of stories about the Queen Mary, and I'd say, of all, I mean, I can't even think of a place in Southern California. In fact, except for the Winchester Mansion, I would say the Queen Mary is the most renowned place for being haunted in California. In fact, we hired an Uber driver yesterday to take us back to Long Beach from Santa Monica, California, and it was a long drive. I mean, it shouldn't have been, but you know how traffic is in California. And he had been a tour guide on the Queen Mary for years. And he basically did his haunted tour for me because my sister said, oh, you got to tell my brother all these stories. She had me sit up front with the Uber driver and ask him about the Queen Mary. I'm not really a believer in ghosts, but I'm a big fan of the supernatural and horror and ghost stories. And so it was quite a treat to have this guy talk about his experiences, the things that he had experienced over the years doing tours on the Queen Mary and then also debunking a few things. I mean, he came right out and said that there are places where there are hidden speakers and there are places where there are hidden, there are projectors that are there for the to ensure that people have a ghostly experience on the ship he, he still maintained that there were several entities on the queen mary and most of them were benign but a couple were not uh, and i found that fascinating and i just sort of interviewed him on the drive and asked him questions and i looked back because i thought my nephews would be enthralled with this and one of them was on his phone and the other was sleeping So at least I got something out of it. We were gone for seven days. We flew out on Sunday and flew back on the next Sunday. And uh, we went to the airport, and our flight was delayed nearly three hours. They told us it would be three hours, but it ended up being like 15 minutes less than that. They kept promising that, hey, when the plane gets here, we will clean it up as fast as we can. We'll do it all on the double, see if we can't cut some of this lost time off of your schedule. And... Hmm, do I go there or do I go somewhere else? Okay. This is fun being a storyteller and deciding what moments are important and what aren't. And Yeah, you just sort of wing it. If I've talked to professional storytellers And it's almost exactly the same skill set as stand-up comedian. Where you just try certain things, and the things that work you keep, and the things that don't you discard. And the story evolves to a, um, a perfect version of the anecdote. And so what I was trying to determine was whether I should mention that it was the first time any of my nephews had flown in a plane... Yet, none of them wanted to sit on the window seat. So my sister and I both ended up sitting on the window seat. And uh, I kept trying to point things out to my nephew, the 10-year-old especially. Look, you can see. And I don't know. I, I hadn't flown in so long that it was a novelty for me. I had never gone on a cruise. I'd never been in one of those drawers that they keep dead bodies in, in a morgue. So, you know, it's just things Though I feel like, gosh, I, I've missed out. But a lot of that is due to my circumstance and the choices that I have made in life. Things that are out of my control, but then things that I have done that were foolhardy, that, that I, I pay for later. But remember that the theme of this show is that I am pretty lucky. And my sister and my brother-in-law got married, uh, had a kid immediately after getting married, and then you know, had another one, and then just last year had an, a new baby. And when you have that many kids, your options become more limited. I know that that's not everybody. I can't just say, look, if you have a bunch of kids, you're not gonna be able to do as much for fun, for leisure, and all that. I mean, for example, Big Anklevich is the perfect exception to the rule. His mom and dad had ten children, and boy, the stories Big could tell you about going to the Bahamas, about going to space camp, about going to the Isle of Lesbos, just amazing stories that Big could, he can regale you until the wee hours of the morning, talking about just when you have that many kids every possibility is open cliff diving fire eating so anyhow none of them had ever been in a plane before but they were all afraid to like look out and see below but i i, I stared at that and i was fixated It was just amazing to see to see the macro version of the world. You know, here's a city block the size of a postage stamp. You know, it's like, okay, this is farmland. That little puddle is a lake. When we got into California and there were all these mountains and hills, it was so interesting to see the winding trails of unpaved road, you know, dirt roads. And they they looked like a child's drawing because they were so squiggly and not straight. There's something really neat about that. And then once we got into the cities of California, you could kind of tell what kind of neighborhood you were above by how big the yards were and how many swimming pools you saw. And look, if you're someone, for example, Marshall Latham tells me that he travels all the time. And so that kind of stuff is probably tedious to him. But to me, it was just like, wow, neat. <laughs> I thought it was neat. Anyhow, because we were stuck at the airport for some extra time, I had brought my notebook with me. And uh, Gino Moretto had made me a mock up for a story collection. But he had put, for the title, you know, just like a placeholder title. And I told him, oh gosh, I wish that I had written a story called that. So it wouldn't be a placeholder, that's pretty neat. And while I was at the airport, I started writing that story. And not to bury the lead, I finished that story on the trip a few days later. And that to me was kind of neat because even though I was on vacation and just enjoying myself, I felt like, well, but I also accomplished something. I wrote every single day but one while I was on the trip it made me feel like I'm a real writer. You know what I'm saying? It was neat to get back to California, to be in Southern California again. There are things that I'd forgotten about. Like the color and consistency of the grass. They have this... Oh, it's, it's gross. I, I'm just going to call it like a crabgrass derivation. And... That's what's in like parks and golf courses and stuff. And it was so strange to see that. Of course, I saw the palm trees, which are representative of Southern California. Certain businesses I saw in California that I I don't see elsewhere were, were interesting to see again. There are grocery store chains or restaurant chains, things like that that exist there that don't exist elsewhere. And then also just looking at people That was an Uh, eye-opener. California is a really good example, especially in, in Los Angeles, you know, where it's such a huge city and people come from all over, not just the United States, but all over the world. It was interesting to see all the different kinds of faces. You know, I mean, sure, you'll see, you know, the dude with dreadlocks, you know, people that are Mexican, and all that but you'll see mixes you know it's like okay this person has an Indian mother and a red-haired father this person you know has a black father and a Chilean mother kind of thing and and, and people look so different Um, I, I mean there's lots of beauty too really attractive people but different kinds of attractive people the feel of the, the wind coming off the ocean was something that I had forgotten, and, and there's kind of a coolness to it, or a coldness, a moisture to it, a different feel than just a breeze in the Midwest or the desert. Uh, let me just jump to the, the boat situation. You know, we took one of those carnival cruise lines, leaves Long Beach port goes out to sea goes to Catalina Island which is 26 miles from Santa Monica I guess or from LA you know I lived in in Los Angeles for years and I never went to Catalina and the closest I ever came was when we were working on the Flags of Our Fathers film I was playing a an American GI in World War II, and Catalina was standing in for Iwo Jima. And we were all on a, it wasn't a destroyer. I used to know what kind of ship it was. I, I can't anymore. But we were all on the deck. You know, the super muscular ones had their shirts off. And yeah, as we approached the island, we just pretended that that was Iwo Jima. And that's the closest I ever got. But Catalina is just right off of the coast of southern california and it's got three towns in it one of them is a city called avalon and it's super touristy there's all these shops and stores and not not stores i mean it's all boutiques it's all quaint little things space is at a premium and we were just there for a little while but this the water was so blue and pretty i mean there was green in it too but it was clear and you could see all of these amazing tropical fish. I think they said that the, the, the fish that we just kept seeing was this beautiful orange, large orange fish called a Garibaldi, and that is apparently California state fish. And it kind of made me wonder you know, why do we have to have a state fish when there's so many children starving in the world? Sorry. We walked around, we got ice cream and mostly just sight saw. But then my sister, my big sister rented a, or do you rent it or you charter? A glass bottom boat tour. And we just saw all these amazing fish and the kids could feed them. There were tubes that went from where the seats were through the ship where you could dump fish food and the fish would just swarm. And uh, I don't know, it was pretty magical. But see, I really like fish. I I have fish, and my nephews love to fish. Whether it's fishing for fish to eat, or hey, let's catch some fish that we can feed to the turtles, or if any are pretty, we can keep them among the other fish. I had never gone on a glass-bottom boat tour. I recommend it although it might've been super expensive, I don't know. There was gonna be snorkeling and there was gonna be scuba diving, and, and that's something that I always wanted to do, was to scuba dive, and, and I, I still haven't done it. I guess I mentioned my mom's bucket list. Let me put scuba diving on my bucket list. But let's go back to the cruise. So there were 10 of us, and for cost's sake, Five of us were in one cabin, and five of us were in the other. Now, one of them is a seven-year-old, so he's small, and he could just sleep wherever. And the other was a baby, and he's even smaller. But they had provided, like, a little crib that he could sleep in, and that was cool. And I think ours was probably on the cheaper end of of a, a cruise. And so there wasn't a lot of space, And they jammed those little cabins in. Tiny rooms and little alcoves down below. It was a kind of thing where you couldn't open the bathroom door and the main door or open a closet and the bathroom door because there just wasn't space. Yeah, there, there were a couple of times when it was just a little too pinched, a little too close, guys, and that was sad. No, no, it wasn't sad at all. And that was vexing. But, like I said, I'm pretty lucky that I got to go on a cruise at all. You know, if you have gone, then maybe this is super, super dull to you. I know there are different kinds of cruises. There's such a thing as singles cruise, and I wonder what that would be like. And, yeah, I know that there's Star Trek cruises, and I remember there being a Firefly cruise when I lived in L.A., Nathan Fillion was going to be on it, and Shepard Book, and a bunch of people. And I thought, well, that would be fun. I've never been on a cruise. Uh, one of those fandom cruises might be a blast. I, I, I don't know. Um, basically, there were three things that I wanted to say about the cruise. And the first one is that it's weird how you would forget that you were on a boat unless there were waves or vibrations, you know, where you're just like, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm on a boat. (laughs) But then, afterward, it followed me. So I would be on dry land, I'd be sitting somewhere, and I would feel the sway of the ocean. And I felt that today, even. And it reminded me of the way that Johnny Depp played Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean how there was always just like swaying involved and oh you know like he could feel the ocean even when he wasn't in the ocean I wonder if that was part of his performance or if it was just you know he's supposed to be drunk all the time but yeah that was a unique experience for me just I've not ever been on a boat except for you know I've been fishing a couple of times and uh There was that Liberty ship, now I remember the name, that we took for that film shoot. That was really, really interesting. I I just, the idea that there was, you know, basically a floating hotel, and you could just walk around and go wherever, and if you wanted to go look at the ocean, you could. If you wanted to get some sun, you could. If you wanted to be in your room and read, I would say you could, but there were just always too many people for me to be able to do that. But you could go somewhere and be alone. There were all of these big windows in the side of the ship and seats by the windows and if I wanted to, I could find one that nobody was sitting in and I could read or I could write or I could just look out at the waves and that was super unique. Really a good experience. Brought to you by Carnival Cruise Line. We don't make waves. We let the ocean do that. And let's see. There were all these events. Lots of fun activities that were always going on. But it wasn't mandatory. You could choose to go to them or not. And I, I, I guess they, they do the exact same schedule every time that ship leaves. With the exact same activities. And the people that participate in them have the same script... But to me, it was all just like super unique. It was like, oh, now we're doing Harry Potter trivia. Cool. Oh, now we're doing 80s music trivia. And I was like, wow, I want to do that. It's like, oh, now we're showing a movie. Oh, cool. There's a stand-up comic. There's a song and dance performance. There's a piano bar. But above all, there was food. And the idea of this much food in one place was mind-boggling to me just the idea that there okay so there were various do you want to say restaurants on board and you could go to them and, and and eat for free as much as you wanted now i'm sure there are people that abused that but i never saw it and i never felt like i abused it I, with the exception of Lucky Charms cereal, the Lucky Charms would always go first. So when we'd see Lucky Charms, I'd always grab a box for me and a box for my two nephews. Then inevitably, the Lucky Charms would be gone. And so my nephew, one of my nephews would be like, can I have your box of Lucky Charms? But even with that process repeating over and over, I still had, I think, three bowls of Lucky Charms in a week, which is more than I've had in the past two years, I would think. But, you know, the dark side of that much free food is people stuffing themselves, yes. I did experience that feeling of, oh shoot, I am so full that I just have to sit here in pain for a few minutes. And I never feel that, even on Thanksgiving, Usually when my mom cooks for Thanksgiving, the courses are separated by like an hour each. You know, there's an hour before dessert to give people time to get hungry again. And there's certainly something, um, I'm not going to say immoral, but probably something wasteful about getting that full, about eating that much. Like they had an ice cream kiosk and ice cream was free, and all you had to do was just get in a line and you could have a, a bowl or you could have a cone. and yeah, I ate more ice cream in the last week than I had this year. And I just found that unique. It was, it was fun that you know I can get pizza or I can get a burger or I can get rice or I can get breakfast food, or and there's a place that has tacos and that, uh, you know there is a dessert bar or a buffet kind of thing and you can get sandwiches made but the idea that let's say it's 3 o'clock in the morning that you can just go to that place and get that at 3 o'clock in the morning that was amazing I mean the only thing that there wasn't enough of was space and sleep I found out and again I, I... Here comes the bus, do I push my sister or not? But I found out that she would turn on the TV and so would my niece. The both of them would turn on the TV and immediately start doing something else. And I'd be like, the hell, dude? I was trying to read or worse, I was trying to write. And with writing, I kind of have to focus. I, I need to have an approximation of silence to do the writing. So the TV would go on And so I would sort of read on and off. There was no internet at sea, right? Which was crippling to my brother-in-law's kid, who is on the internet 20 of every 24 hours. But trying to entertain yourself in a stateroom where there's no space was pretty limited. And for me it was basically, do I write, do I sleep, or do I read. And so I kept reading, but I was not enjoying the book that I had brought. I'd brought two others as well, but I never got to them because I didn't enjoy the book I was reading. I only made it halfway through. In my mind, I was just like, well, I will eat this book alive and then jump on the next one. But I just chose the wrong book. What I would do is I would do that until they went to sleep. And then I could write in silence. But what I discovered was that they would just turn on the television and then do something else. And one of those something else things that they would do was sleep. And the first time it happened, I was forgiving because it's like, oh yeah, you fell asleep. No big deal. Everybody's tired. But the second time it happened, I was just like, well, why did you turn on the TV? But yeah, the third time that it happened, I was angry because it was just like, look, If you're not gonna watch it, why turn it on? And my sister said that's just what she does is she turns on the TV for some kind of white noise comfort thing that tells her it's okay to go to sleep. She goes to sleep in front of the TV. But oh I had a problem with that. And sadly, what I ended up having to do the rest of the vacation is put up with the TV being on and look over until I realized she had fallen asleep, and then I could turn the TV off and write. I know, I know, I'm complaining about something very, very small. Yes, I'm pretty lucky. But it was just a couple of hours less writing than I would have had otherwise. Does that seem petty? I don't mean for it to be, but maybe it does. Sorry? So, what we went on was a a family cruise, and before I went on it, I I might have guessed what a family cruise entailed, and I would have been wrong. Well, it makes me wonder, like I said, about a, a, a singles cruise or a cruise for adults, because the ship had drinking and it had gambling. It had 18-plus stand-up comedy. There that, that was a, a smoking deck, which you would never find on the mainland in California, I don't think. Yeah, it was just, that was strange. I mean, there, there were kids on board, certainly. But it wasn't just kids, and I saw not just young people, but, but you know, there were old folks too. I talked to a retired couple and they said that they go on cruises all the time. In fact, they have like the cruise equivalent of air miles, but where they had earned enough points to go on this cruise for free. And I guess that's kind of nice. The guy was one of those know-it-all guys who had done everything more than once and had all the answers. You know, it's just like... Oh, what you need to do is this. I didn't find him to be an a-hole, but he just, uh, he talked a lot. So that was interesting to me. I mean, there were some activities. There were definitely activities for kids, but there was like a hairiest chest contest. And I, you know, I can't really see who might enjoy that. Speak for Speak your for shelf, for lad. You lad. Okay, wait, I can think of one person who would enjoy that. But yeah, they they, they had dancing. Lots and lots of fruity drinks. You know, Mai Tais, and sex on the beaches, and margaritas, that kind of stuff. Which I think is cool. And um, (laughs) some some very attractive people, certainly. One in particular, I, I kept seeing this girl, I'm gonna call her a girl. I don't know if she was a woman, you know, I don't know how old she was. Because except for the casino, they allowed people in everywhere. Like my niece is 17, and nobody carded her when we went to the uh, adults only stand up comedy. But yeah, there was this just ridiculously beautiful girl. She could have also been quite young. But I I would see her all the time. It's like we sit down for breakfast, and there she is in the next table over. When we went to Catalina, they had a Jaws retrospective at the museum, and I was like, oh, we got to go check that out. I didn't realize that there was an entrance fee at the museum. But coming back from that, there she was again. We went to Mexico. And... Uh, You had the option of just walking around, of getting a cab, of going to the beach, of staying on the ship if you wanted, or going on a guided tour, and we went on a guided tour, and sure enough, she was there. One of my favorite activities was had on the ship, and it was karaoke, and I... It was funny because they had both all ages karaoke and then adults-only karaoke, but my 10-year-old nephew was allowed in there with us. And as far as I could tell, the only difference was when I requested a song, I was told, hey, you've got to skip the profanity if there's any uh, if there's any vulgar bits But yeah, there were tons of like little kids singing Taylor Swift songs or whatever the 2018 equivalent of Taylor Swift songs is, Lil Wayne, that kind of stuff. And I saw the girl there, too. She came in, and, and I thought, huh. Well, when I get up to do my song, I'm going to direct my song at her. I mean, it's stupid. I know, but it's, it's the only thing I could think of. And then about two songs before I got up, uh, she and her friends left. I still really like karaoke, though. Anyway, she was so lovely... And young. And, young. and uh, carefree. Don't forget young. With, you know, with her whole life ahead of her. Yes, with junior, with junior high, high ahead of her. Ah, oh, come on. I mean, I don't know how old she was. Fourteen. 14. But, I mean, she could have been 25. She could she have could been, have 10. been 10. No, no, no. Look, he's having a, a lot of fun uh, with this. Well, someone ought someone to be. Ought to but, uh, to yeah, there's no telling. Uh, surely she was of drinking age. Yes, yes drinking from a shippy from a cup. cup. Now, nah, fake Sean, come on. This is getting mean. Mean would, mean be, her would be her father's, father's reaction. reaction. I, I, I didn't do anything. No, because no, you are too, because cowardly. You're too cowardly. Well, that's true. It, uh, it did revert me to my insecure, stammering, inarticulate state. Uh, your, podcasting your podcasting state podcasting. is that, it? Uh, is that uh, it? He, he's on one today, isn't he? Well, answer me this. How do you know she was of age? Well, she, she, was, she was running around Mexico without, you know, parental figure. Well, you qualify. you qualify. Now, come on, man. Anyway, I, yeah, she walked away, so I, I didn't get a chance to talk to her. Or anything, or anything else, else, you filthy you bastard. bastard. Stop it, man. I mean, she was beautiful. I'm, I'm as, as uh, human as the next man. I was, I was the, next the next man. man. You should be ashamed of of yourself. yourself. You're old enough to be her father, her her grandfather. Wait a minute. Are you quoting Indiana Jones to me? No. No. Oh. Okay, for a second there, it felt like... Let it go. Yeah, let it go. Let it go go was the song song that her her doll used to to sing her to to sleep sleep at night. night. Okay. I I shouldn't have brought this up. I apologize. Apologize Apologize to Dateline NBC, NBC, Why Don't Don't you? You? So anyway, what song song were you going going to to sing to, to Arish? Arish? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, it it was... Was was it, it young girl, get get out out of my my mind? mind. No. No, no, not much too young. Not that one. (laughs) You know, your love interests in movies were always half your age, Sean. Yes, but at least they were old old enough to to drive a car. car. Anyway, as I said, I met people that uh, this wasn't their first rodeo cruise. And I guess there are people that do this kind of thing all the time. It, it was really enjoyable, but I don't know that I need to do it again for a while. I mean, maybe 21 years is too long to wait. I, I Who knows? The state of the world 21 years from now. The state of me 21 years from now. But it was enjoyable to go on this trip and, you know, to spend time with my family. And for the most part, we did get along. There were a couple of times that my sisters sniped at each other. And I probably am not the most easy-to-get-along-with person either. So uh, the second day we went down to Ensenada, Mexico. Ensenada, Mexico. En vivo. Grande en y Irish Fuera del Campo. En los Dunstiv. Uh, La Revista Dunstiv. Like I said, we took a tour and went down to the coast. And that was really neat. And there were all sorts of fun activities you could do at the coast. If you weren't there for 90 minutes, like we were, and I, I'm wondering, did we, oh yes, I suppose we had a sister with us who didn't feel like getting up in the morning. But it just, it seemed like we had so much more time in Catalina than we did in, in Mexico. We went down to see this thing called La Bufadora the blowhole, this Mexican geyser. And uh, I wish that I had bothered to like read up about it to find out what it is and why it does that because I, I as a child I went to Yellowstone and I saw Old Faithful and Old Faithful is you know a geyser that on a fairly steady basis erupts. But this thing, if it was a geyser it erupted every 12 or 13 seconds you could just watch you could hold your breath in between explosions explosions eruptions and yeah there was this little crag of rock by the ocean where the waves just washed in constantly and this thing would spray and sometimes it would spray 10 feet into the air sometimes 15 feet into the air. Every once in a while, it would be like 20, 25 feet into the air. But you couldn't predict how big it would be. I don't know. I just found it kind of cool to look at. I I would have been happy to sit and look at this thing for an hour. But uh, we were a bit rushed, so we didn't have an hour to do that. Something that... As a little boy, when we would go to Mexico, we would go to Tijuana, and it always upset me to see the beggars. And I have to say, I didn't see any beggars on this trip. But I did see children selling things, chiclets usually is, is how it was when I was a kid, and panhandling. And then there were all these vendors that had these little shops in Ensenada and... Every shop had the same stuff. And they were relentless to sell this stuff to you. They wanted to get rid of it, like it was stolen merchandise. And they would always give you like a huge number of what it costs and you'd just be like, oh, okay, sorry, no. And then they'd go down and they'd go down until you either bought or until you walked away with them still shouting numbers at you and these guys were blatant. I mean, shameless. I a guy actually said, come on, come on, G- give me chance to rip you off. And another guy said, I rip you off better than him. And I don't know if they actually knew what they were saying, but I wouldn't put it past them. That, it was interesting. They would like diss each other and say that, oh, you don't want to buy from them. You do want to buy from me. And another trick that they had was they wouldn't tell you how much something was. They'd say, oh, here, here, try it on. Or, oh, look at this. yeah, Oh, yes. And they'd hand it to you. And I I feel like they had learned from experience that if, if they had handed something to you, if you had it in your hand, a lot of people would be too polite to give it back, to say no. And so I would be like, oh, how much is that? And he wouldn't answer. He would grab it and I was just like you know I just want to know how much it was and he'd he'd try and put it in your hand and I don't understand well I guess I do understand I mean I've just I've never been a good salesman and I think it's really stood in my way in my development as a business person clearly these guys are taking it to the farthest possible extreme with just the badgering. But if I had like a third of that and I got on here and I said, um, I haven't published anything in so long. Uh, my, My new story, Sidekick to Miracles, is out. And you will love it. I guarantee you'll love it. In fact, if you don't love it, it's free. In fact, if you don't love it, I will come to your house and let you punch me in the stomach. In fact, you know, that kind of thing. All right, maybe not. Um, fake Sean, I think, who could get away with that. Oh, oh you say shy, I can punch, can punch you in the stomach. stomach? To that, he's paying attention. Uh, but I, I, I couldn't. Boy, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm all over the place. And I don't know how interesting this series of anecdotes is. Maybe not at all. But, you know, I'm trying. Anyhow, I, yeah, I didn't feel like we had nearly enough time in Ensenada. Well, I, but I don't know how many, much time we were actually allotted and whether we just got a, a late start and it ate up most of the day, just that. If so, then, yeah, we didn't do it right. But I would have liked to have gone to a restaurant or just walked around. My nephew saw a Walmart and he's like, oh, well, let's go to a Mexican Walmart. <laughs> He just wanted to know what it was like. I thought that was funny. But, you know, even if we hadn't gone anywhere, I I imagine there are cruises where they just go out to sea and then eventually turn around and come back. And it seems like those could be pretty magical, especially if you saw whales or dolphins. Ariel, the daughter of Triton. These sort of things that uh, are just wonders that are out there uh, in the ocean. Uh, So anyhow, we did a great deal with, or I sorry, I did a great deal with the kids but it was only when we got back and started talking to other people in the line to go through customs that we discovered that there was like a kids club on the ship where you could just send the kids and they would be supervised and there were activities for them so that the adults could just relax and do whatever they wanted. We're all like, oh, whoops. But, oh, well, hopefully the children will remember it and appreciate the trip. I mean, it could well be my last, my only cruise, in which case I'll have good memories. And uh, I thought that was cool. We came back to Long Beach, and then we hired an Uber to take us to Santa Monica. Because my sister, who travels a great deal, she only has one kid. And she goes on trips all the time. I'd say it's more than enough. Yeah, she's been on more trips than Hunter S. Thompson. And she had said, let's go to Santa Monica and spend a couple of days. And so we did that. Did I mention it was the first time I'd been in an Uber? I just had never needed to, I guess. You know, I'm driving right now. In fact, I'm almost always driving when we. Do these episodes. And I, uh, I have been an Uber for other people, right? Well, no, Uber drivers are paid. Okay, I, 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 I don't know. But it was interesting to talk to the various Uber drivers about what they do for a living, because some of them were like high school social studies teachers, and then on the weekends they drive an Uber. But then there were some that are retired. From whatever job they had and they drive an uber and there are other people it's just like that's my job i drive an uber the guy who was the tour guide for the queen mary both he and his wife were retired and both he and his wife were uber drivers and he drove like a van for when there were calls for four or more people i think maybe three or more people and she drove the small car for when it was like two people or one person or something like that and that to me was really interesting. I, I would think you guys would go out and have your different experiences driving, and then you get it together again at night, and you just swap stories of, oh yeah, I drove this guy who he thought he knew the correct route everywhere. You know, he knew a better way to get there than I did. She's like, oh, oh, that's nothing. I drove this guy that just would not stop farting. I swear he had eaten chili dogs for a month. And he's like, well, that's pretty bad, but I drove this guy who's a podcaster, and he just wouldn't shut up. She's like, okay, you win, honey. Anyhow, we spent some time in Santa Monica, and I used to spend time in Santa Monica when I lived in L.A., and it was always a really nice place for me. I never lived there, but... I went there often when I first moved to LA and I didn't have any money. Okay, I never had money when I lived in LA, but when I literally had no money and I could only do free things, I would go to the Third Street Promenade. I would park, they'd give you like 2 hours free parking, and then I would just, you know, walk around. I'd go to the beach or I'd go to Barnes and Noble. There was a Barnes and Noble on the corner, and I'd go there and I'd like read a book or look at the pictures and books or I would go to the children's section and look at picture books alright you got me but we went there we went to the 3rd street promenade and the Barnes and Noble there had closed and that sort of bummed me out I I had good memories with it there had been a Borders there as well where I stood in line to get Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and it was gone but it has, I, I assume it has been gone for years and years. I found out the Toys R Us there had been gone. But of course, by the time this episode airs, all the Toys R Uses will be gone. Maybe I should do an episode about that. I had some good times with Toys R Us. Anyhow, Santa Monica had always been fairly nice, I thought. And fairly clean. And not insanely crowded. Like you could go to the the Universal City Walk and it was insanely crowded. You could go to Hollywood Boulevard and it was insanely crowded. You could go to the I was trying to come up with a third thing that was funny and I, I'm just I, I'm not capable. I apologize. But anyhow, it had changed. It was much dirtier than I remembered, but so And that's the thing that surprised me. You know, we went down the pier, the Santa Monica Pier, and we walked around First Street. And it was a a sea of bodies. I mean, in addition to the actual sea. And I don't know, maybe I just went in the off-season. Or I didn't consider myself a tourist after I had lived there a little while. And so I didn't go to the touristy places. And, and, you know, that's true. I remember going to see, you know, like the handprints in front of the Grauman's Chinese Theater because that's something that you see when I first moved there. And But then later, it's like, why would you need to see that again? So I guess I am no longer a resident and I've become a tourist again. Oh, but one thing that had changed that was really, really interesting was there were all these bicycle kiosks where you could rent bicycles and just ride them around. And there were tons of people on these bicycles. Like one out of 20 people were on these bicycles. But even more so, they had little electric scooters you could rent. And they were everywhere. And I would say one out of maybe 11 people was on uh one of these little electric scooters and so much so that i found out exactly how they work and how much they are and the crazy thing about those unlike the bicycles where you have to take them back to a kiosk and and check it back in is when you're done with the electric scooter you can just leave it anywhere i guess you rent it with an app then when you're done with it You tell the app, I am done with this. It turns off and you just leave it wherever it happens to be. And somebody else can take that. And I saw that happen when people would stop. Other people would say, are you done with that? Can I take it? That blew my mind. It just seems like something out of the future. I thought that that was so cool. And I feel like if I had money, well, I guess I have more money than I ever did when I lived in LA. Right now I don't have much money, but if I were there and I wanted to go somewhere, no, sorry, I just can't sell that. I'm too cheap. I don't mind walking, I would just walk. And that's what I did when we wanted to go somewhere. When I wanted to go somewhere, I would just walk. And if one of my nephews wanted to come with me, he would walk beside me or I would carry him on my back and it just, uh, it worked for me. I don't mind walking. My sister has one of those apps on her phone, or maybe it doesn't even need an app, it just does it. that tells you how far you walked in each day. And on the last day she sat down and she told us how, how much she walked each day. And it blew my mind because it's like, how could you have walked three miles or four miles when you didn't get up until one in the afternoon? It just, it's amazing. But it shows, I guess, how much physical activity you do in a day, and and that's kind of neat. I had an app on my phone that counted up how much I bicycled. I would turn it on whenever I got on a bicycle, and I would try and remember to stop it when I was done, and it would tally it up. But I used the bicycle so infrequently that eventually I just removed the app. Oh, well. We ate at some restaurants, in santa monica and again when i lived in la i just i couldn't afford to eat anywhere that wasn't super cheap so i found out like the places with the best deals you know like rally burger in la was cheap and i ate there a lot in fact i I wanted to find a rally burger while we were there and just taste it again but i didn't see any it was fun to go to various places and eat and decide what was best And I think the place that I liked the most was this place called Taco Libre. And it's a Mexican restaurant that is Mexican wrestling themed. And uh, the food was not terribly expensive, and it was really good. I don't know, I just, I need to start making money again, then maybe I can look for equivalents to Taco Libre around here. So the trip was a good one. We flew back, and like I said, I, I meant to, oh no, I didn't say that, that was my Patreon address. I did that first, before I did this episode. I had intended to podcast from the airport, but it was just too busy, so I didn't. Anyhow, we flew back and, and, and we were home. And I know that for some people, it's just like, oh, home sweet home. I'm happy to be back someplace where I know where everything is. And that's good, that's what home should be. But me, I found this really fun and it was exotic and there were other things I could tell you about. You know, I took the boys out to the beach and they became all fixated on catching crabs. (laughs) And I told them, yeah, well, you just go under the boardwalk. Believe me, you'll catch some crabs there. But again, I'm pretty lucky that my family could afford to do that. And then I have a family that gets along well enough that we did that and do not regret it. And I'm going to do more things in the future, I would hope. Maybe they will be worth podcasting about. Um, (laughs) I mean, if I'm very lucky. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, not judging me on who I find attractive. I I judge judge you. you. I judge the hell out of you. I'm continuing to judge you. I've been for Outfield. All day long. He's apparently still talking. I am Judge Judy. Oh, good night. Now I'll play, and you sing, the perfect way for an evening to begin. I cannot believe it has come to this. The Rishout cast has always been presented under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Licence. And yet look at what you've done with it. It was not to be sold, not to be hacked apart, and not to be claimed by anyone except the original benighted podcaster. You might have gone so far, even to supporting young Outfield with his foolhardy Patreon account schemes, but no, I trusted you, loved you, and how have you betrayed me? And I got it out. God, that's an ugly sound. Sorry. Fuck. I'm right behind this asshole. Either wreck or drive faster, okay? It's up to you. I will accept either one. The of the the wind coming off the ocean was something that I had forgotten. Oh, gosh, I'm in front of the f***ing motorcycle again. He was in such a hurry to get past all of us, to leave all of us behind, to leave us to die, as it were. And now here he is right next to me, ruining my podcast. Ah, sorry. What was I talking about? My enemy. I have given a name to my pain. And it is motorcycle. Okay, so another thing that we did as an activity. Okay, so after we went to Catalina, we went down to Mexico to. M- 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 uh, God damn it! I can't remember the name of the town that we went to in Mexico. We went to Catalina and Mazatlan. Ma. M- Mo- man- manteca, ma- 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 Mierda, Menudo, Ricky Martin, Luis Miguel, Julio Iglesias. See, I can remember Bufadora was the name of the blowhole. Why can't I remember the name of the city? And, it, and, and they took us to Ensenada, let's call it that. We went to a stand up comedy routine and um, the guy was talking about how you you go on these cruises and you just eat and eat and eat and eat. And the guy's like, honey, all my clothes have shrunk. And his wife says, yeah, that's because you gained 22 pounds in 24 hours, motherfucker. And I just like the idea of somebody's wife calling them a motherfucker. I don't know. It's just funny to me. I guess I'll cut that shit out, F you. The, oh, hey. It's a very pretty girl. Young girl, get out of my mind. My thoughts of you are way out of line. Is it thoughts? You better run, girl. You're much too young, girl.